to 1.37 p.m.'s Live from the Bar Cart. A look into the style, culture, strength, and grind of the modern-day man. Uh, Nastya Lukin, welcome to Live from the Bar Cart. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, just doing my, my research, you have such an amazing story. And um, I mean, I think you've, you've done it all. You've done so much. Uh, <laughs> professional athlete, Olympian, entrepreneur, life and uh, style influencer. Um, I'd love to just start from the beginning. Born in Russia, mm-hmm. um, Moscow, born uh, to two gymnast parents. Yeah. And uh, emigrated to the U.S. at the age of two. Yeah. Correct. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Start a little bit from the beginning. So, um about coming to the States and um, growing up. I mean, I, I'm I'm also an immigrant, a son mm-hmm. of immigrants. I came here when I was like five. Mm-hmm. It was always a challenge to kind of, uh, my parents were really big on retaining our culture and where we Absolutely. came from. But also being influenced by friends and society. Yeah. And it was always kind of like one foot in both places. And I always kind of felt like, a little bit of both and I didn't exactly fit in one or the other. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about, about growing up like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I mean, I totally understand what <laughs> you're saying just because, so I was, as you said, I was born in Russia and moved when I was about two and a half years old and and similar to, I guess, your parents, you know, my parents really found it important for me to, you know, stay true to my roots as well and um, so growing up, I really didn't want to speak Russian. Um, I feel like at that age too, it's like uncool when your parents aren't American and when they don't, or they have an accent and they don't, or they don't speak the language properly. (laughs) And so I was already kind of like, not embarrassed, but I was already kind of like, okay, I'm already standing out enough. And and then for them, you know, to kind of force me to speak Russian at the time, I was not happy about. Now, all these years later, I'm so happy that, you know, they kind of forced me to do that because my grandparents still live there. And so I'm able to communicate with them and they speak a little English. But, you know, I can't imagine not being able to speak, you know, the language that is still a huge part of who I am. It's a part of my story. I definitely feel very American. And, you know, it was, it's where I grew up. It's home for me. But, you know, still... Russia is part of who I am and in my family, you know, specifically and and kind of my story. Absolutely. You know, um, my biggest thing was, I think as you get older too, you kind of uh, appreciate where you came from and you're less, I don't know if the word's embarrassed, but uh, like less conscious of it around other people. When you're a kid and you're trying to fit in and you're brand new at all these things, you know, you want to not stand out and you want to be accepted and, and, and handling both things is, was a challenge. But for me, it was like lunch. My parents at <laughs> yes. lunch oh my would God, give me, me you know, I'm from, I'm from the Middle East, so it's yeah. like hummus and falafel and all this stuff. Which and, is amazing, by the way. Uh, and now and it is. Now yeah, it is. now it's yeah. cool. But like as a kid, you know, uh, I, I, you got this weird smelling food and everyone's yeah. got peanut butter and jelly. I was going to say, I always wanted the peanut butter and jelly with like a bag of chips, right. carrot sticks and ranch. Exactly. <laughs> I never got that. Um, what did you go to lunch with? <sighs> well, I guess in Russia, the... There's a lot of very traditional like salads, a lot of beets are used, so um, so a lot of soups, borscht, um, but really, I guess like a lot of meats, chickens, and like potatoes, and um, just not like the cool stuff, you know, when you're a kid. (laughs) Like Lunchables, like, oh my God. Yeah, right, Lunchables. Um, I had for the first time goulash like last year, and it was amazing. So good. That, yeah. That's that's part yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I guess like Eastern European kind of food. It, it was so good. Um, and also I think the time you came, so you came like right after the collapse of the Soviet Union, right? So it was kind of the end of the Cold War. And I'm sure like, you know, the U.S. and Russia were not on the best of terms. So 
it was it must have been kind of weird at school too, or growing up, or even like when you were kind of getting into your teenage years and stuff. That that's a little bit of friction there. Do you think or like? Uh, uh, to be honest, I didn't. I never really felt that no? way. You know, it was. My parents left the country on like such great terms that growing up, I went back every single year to visit and I always had family and friends there. And I went back to um, really in the summers before I started competing internationally because that was our off season. And I'd go to the gym there where my dad trained. And uh, so it was it wasn't ever really, you know, the, the type of relationship that it was like weird to go back. And even when I competed at the Olympics in Beijing, the Russian team was cheering for me. And when I won, you know, they kind of said, yes, she's wearing a different leotard, but she still won for us. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, as long as as you guys stay nice. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, and then I remember going back that same year, right after I won the Olympics to do, you know, to, to visit my family, but then also we had some press requests. And so I was definitely very nervous for that because I wasn't sure how accepting that they would be. And everyone was so supportive and it was just, it was really cool. And it made me even more proud, I think of just it being such a huge part of my life and, you know, just, I think it, it just kind of it doesn't define who you are, but it, it's definitely part of your story. And especially the older you get, the more, as you said, like you appreciate it more. And then just realizing, you know, my parents really they moved to the United States because it's so funny. We had this conversation two nights ago, <laughs> so it's very fresh. But, you know, my they, they specifically told me, like, we moved to the United States to try to give um, you slash me the best possible life that they could. And they didn't think at the time that that was going to be in Russia. And then they also, you know, had a dream to open up their own gymnastics school one day coach their own world, coach their own athletes to becoming world and Olympic champions. Never imagined to be their own daughter, but that was their dream and their goal. And they knew that, you know, at the time and probably still now, it's it's so government run, all the gymnastics facilities. And so they weren't able to do that. And so really just moving here for better opportunity. Agreed. I mean, I'm on the same level. My parents are the exact same thing, you know, and they, they really pushed for that better life and better kind of, that was the whole reason of leaving. Um, talk to me a little bit about, so you get, your parents were, I mean, they were Olympic gymnasts as well, correct? Yeah. So my dad competed at the 88 games, uh-huh. won two gold and two silver medals. And my mom was a rhythmic gymnast and world champion. And then you got into the family business. I think I was reading the age of three, you started training. Is that right? I say three uh-huh. because I don't really know an exact age. Okay. When I was born, my dad was still training and competing. So he trained um, and competed up until I was about that age. And then they immediately started coaching or even while he was training they were coaching so you know moving to the country they didn't speak any English and they really had no money and so they really got lucky that I loved the sport so much because they couldn't afford a babysitter and uh, that's really how I fell in love with the sport was just being in the gym like I I immediately just gravitated towards it and and you know they really didn't want me to do it because they knew how hard it was and they both did it you know at the top of their level but at the same time when they saw how much love and passion I had for it and then also at an early age I had you know someone of a god-given talent given my genes I guess and so they didn't want to take that away from me but they kind of we all promised you know each other that this is always going to be my dream and my goal and my passion you know it could never and, and I think that's so important for, for kids, but also just for anybody that whoever is doing it, whether it's a job, you know, starting a business or a sport, like the individual has to have 
the most passion, not the other people, you know, wanting them to do it. And so that's just how it always was in my family. It was it was always me kind of, you know, being so driven and motivated. I think you're right. I think most successful people, if you notice whatever they're successful at, that they live it, breathe it. Diet, yeah. like it. They, I mean, what was? The, I think there's the saying that ten thousand hours at something makes you a professional. I think something. Oh yeah, like I've that. heard something like. Something is like is that? it ten thousand? Yeah, um, that sounds. I mean, that sounds about right. <laughs> I need to calculate how many hours uh, of gymnastics I mean, that I've done. That's that's, that's got to be a few ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours has to be a few years, you know. So I think doing that nonstop, yeah. and you know, the fact that and that and this fascinates me too. Like athletes fascinate me because I think of any other profession in the world, athletes. Their job, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is their also their physicality, their body. And yeah. you're not just dedicating your time of like, if you have a job and you're good at, I don't know, mathematics, if yep. you're a good accountant, you, mm-hmm. you know, you get to go home and take a break from it, I guess. <laughs> In a sense, uh, you don't get a break from being an athlete. Like, not only do you train all day, but after you're done training, you have to watch what you eat, you have to watch what right. you're doing, everything. So, well, I think just like even what you do outside the gym at times is even more important than what you actually do into in the gym training. You know, as you mentioned, like nutrition and and just keeping up with your your body. I mean, the physical therapy and massage, acupuncture, ice, like recovery, that again, if you don't do that and take care of that, you're not able to do your gymnastics. And so it becomes a lifestyle. It truly does. And so I think, you know, now not being a competitive athlete, being I think just being able to dedicate myself to that from such a young age has made me realize, A, exactly how hard it is and exactly what it takes. And B, also, you know, it it's not just what you do on that competition floor. It's also what you do, you know, your lifestyle. And so the same thing goes for a business, especially if you're an entrepreneur or starting a business. It's not a nine to five job. And, you know, we've been kind of joking because we're planning this this huge event and um, we've had a lot of nights of just like a few hours of sleep. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, because when you're able to do something that you truly love, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, you're exhausted and sleep is important, (laughs) but, you know, it's it's also being able to build something and create something is just so incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. And I want to, I'm going to, we're going to talk all about your app and everything Mm -hmm. about that. I I want to focus a little bit more on the, uh, talk to me a little about the discipline of being an Olympic athlete. Like every day you're in the gym, right? Every, like what, how does it, how does it, I mean, how does it work? I mean, you work your regular, you know, you started at the age of like 12 competing. Is that right? I was, I was reading. I started so competing when I was six. Six. Wow. <laughs> I made the so, junior national team when I was 12. So I started competing internationally when I was 12. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was always. Like, do you go to school and then come home and train? Or do yeah. you, you know, if you're working like a job at the mall as a high school student or in Starbucks yeah. or something, then you go train right. and then, you know, recover, like you said, ice, yeah. ac- acupuncture. Yeah. I mean, I was so fortunate that it. by the time I started competing, um, I, you know, I was still living with my parents and because my dad was my coach and they owned the gym, I didn't have tuition to pay for. And I was very fortunate that I didn't have to support myself you know, when I was a teenager and that I was really able to focus on school and gymnastics. So starting in fifth grade, I 
started training from 8 to 12 in the morning and then I went to school from 12.30 to 3.30 and then I trained again from 4 to 7. And then I went home and did my homework and did my therapies, ice, recovery, ate dinner um, and went to bed and did it all over again. So Sunday was our day off and it's Friday and Saturday we just had half days, so 8 to 12. And so those are also kind of our recovery days and Saturday kind of the second half of the day into the evening is the time that I would, you know, the day that I would dedicate to my friends and, you know, really spending time with my family and, and kind of having that social life. And, and most of all my friends were in the gym and we all went to school together. So we understood each other's schedules. So we and in the it, same circles. Yeah, okay. exactly. Because like, I think also the, the proof of a successful or not successful, maybe a driven person, whether they're an entrepreneur in business or an athlete is that you, like we said, you live it, you know? So like while your friends are out, hey, we're going to go party. We're going to go this. We're going to go to the club. We're going to go to the bar. No, you are on the mass training or yeah. you were, you sac- like, I'm trying to convey the sacrifice of what it takes to be successful at something. I mean, it takes so much sacrifice and not just from yourself, but, you know, from your family, whether that's your significant other or, you know, as a teenager, your parents. I mean, that meant that, you know, we really didn't go on a lot of family vacations because I wasn't able to take time away from the gym. But that being said, looking back, like I wouldn't trade it for the world. And 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 not just because I won that gold medal, but the journey, you know, I, I truly loved what I was doing. So the sac- yes, there was sacrifice that I had to take, many sacrifices, but I loved it, you know, and and that's why it's so important to find something that you love to do because the sacrifices then don't seem as large. You know, they're still there and you know it. Um, But, you know, my senior prom, I still went to senior prom. I was just home by nine o'clock because I had training at 8 a.m. the next day. And that was my choice. You know, it's not like my parents were like, you have to be home by nine. You know, they said, you know, like we'd we'd love if you were home by midnight, um, but whatever you want to do and I was home by nine because the Olympics were next year and I knew like I'm gonna have plenty of nights to stay up late you know go to a party if I want to um, hang out with friends and and I think that when I realized look I have the rest of my life to do these things but gymnastics is such a short time in your life especially being a female you peak when you're between 16 and 18 so it's a very short-lived sport and you know, I think it was for me, nothing got in the way. You know, it was family was first, then school, then gymnastics. But then everything else was kind of uh, secondary. And and again, I just I knew that there was there was life after gymnastics and I would have plenty of time to do these things. Talk to me a little bit about the Olympics and what it feels like to compete against the best in the world. Um, yeah. And not only that, but bringing home a medal. Um can it's, you st- it's hard describe to, that? Yeah, it's hard to put into words because it's like it's that moment, even just like walking into the Olympic arena for the first time. I mean, I remember walking in. There was 20,000 people screaming, not for us because we were in China and the Chinese national team was incredible. So they were definitely screaming for them. We ended up winning a silver as a team and it was all of our first Olympic medals. And we had a few mistakes, but we were so excited. I mean, just to have even made that, that Olympic team was already a dream come true. So to be able to compete with some of the best in the world, to be able to compete with athletes that I looked up to, that I watched on YouTube, you know, that I, you know, tried to mimic. And um, now I was one of them. You know, it was it was one of the coolest feelings. That must be an amazing feeling. Did you... Um 
kind of like, re- I'm sure you did, but research the competition, quote unquote, and just I didn't like, do that, but our coaches did. <laughs> yeah, we left all of that, you know, kind of up to our coaches because the most important thing is obviously, and you know, something that I still kind of apply to life today is you can only control your performance or your work or your job or your company. You can't control your competition. Uh, you know, you can't control what the other gymnast is doing on the balance beam or how much money, you know, another business is raising. You know, you can only control the controllables. And so if you can just focus on those controllables, then you're you're setting yourself up for, you know, doing the best possible you know job that you can do. Mm-hmm. And kind of what's the mindset when you're when you're going out there and you're about to go against, mm-hmm. you know, you're about to do your routine is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah, routine? yeah. Good terminology. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when you're about to do your routine on the balance mm-hmm. beams, bars, yep, beam. balance, balance beams, um, or the, is it the- The uneven bars. The uneven bars, mm-hmm. yes. Um, like the, the mindset going into that, how do you, because I'm sure there's the other voice in the back of your head that's like, oh my God, what if I fail? Oh yeah, I slip for and fall? sure. How do you silence that and just focus on, again, like this could apply to sports, it could apply to launching your business. Yeah. How do you silence that voice that everyone's got and focus on that, that the, 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 the voice inside that says, I got this? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the most important thing. And that's why I always say like as physically demanding as the sport of gymnastics is, it's almost more mentally challenging and demanding because it is silencing that voice. It is silencing all the negativity and truly believing in yourself. And it sounds so cliche to believe in yourself, but I, I can't tell you how important that is to, you know, truly block out those I'm going to fall, I'm going to fail, I'm going to mess up, um, all, all of those kind of words. And instead, think about, you know, how exactly can I do this, this, and this in order to have the best routine in my life? How can I, you know, you know, do this, this, and this in my business for, you know, to have the best possible exit strategy? You know, so it's, it's, it's thinking in a different way. So instead of kind of thinking about all the bad things that could happen, because yes, at the end of the day, those things could happen. But if you start thinking about those things, that's more likely when they are going to happen, when your mind is filled with those negative thoughts. So I think, you know, going into a gymnastics event or a competition, it really is truly about staying as positive as you can. And those, you know, those words in your mind that really help you perform your best. And so it's it's what works for you. Um, for me, it was a lot of visualizing. I loved being able to visualize my routines the same in business. You know, you visualize what you want to see, you know, how you want to see your business grow. How how do you what do you see in the end? Um, and so I think it's it's really kind of what works best for you. So it was like the visualization for me and, and also you know, guiding myself through the entire routine with keywords. Um, so that way my mind was too busy thinking of those positive keywords to even let those negative words creep into my mind. That's really interesting. Keywords. I, I never heard that before. Mm-hmm. So like you chose words that yeah. I guess kind of anchored you or triggered you to Absolutely. think more uh, or visualize more because you mentioned visualizing. So instead of thinking like, or this goes to anybody, what if I fail or what if I, you know, this doesn't work yeah. out? Think what if I, I succeed? What if I yeah. win? And you visualize like, being how a does champion. It feel? How do you think it's going to feel if you win? How do you think it's going to feel if you perform this routine well? Like, think it's really how you think about things because in reality, it's. It's the same like phrase, but it's how you think about it. You know, you could think like, what if I don't win? Or you could think, what do I need to do in order to win? 
And so it's all about winning at the end of the day in your mind, but it's it's the way you kind of like position things the in way your you mind. you approach it. Yeah, that's exactly. Really, that's really interesting. Uh, talk to me about after the Olympics. So you retired at 23, is that right? Yeah, 22, 23, yeah. So uh, I can imagine like your entire life up to this point has mm-hmm. been, I'm a gymnast and you've yeah. been working that nonstop and that's like your identity. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Obviously the physical limitations kick in and you said it's a young sport and you know, what do you do after that? Like, how do you figure out mm-hmm. and pivot and decide like the path you're going to go on? Well, my dad told me when I was really young, about 12 years old, he said, you know, you never know how far your gymnastics career is going to take you, but an education will stick with you for the rest of your life. And so he said, promise me at some point in your life, you're going to go to school and you'll get a degree. And, you know, of course, I just said, you know, sure, dad. Yeah, whatever you say. Um, and so as soon as I retired, I actually moved to New York City and I started school at NYU. And that was the greatest thing that I possibly could have done because it forced me to a I had taken six years off between high school and college. So taking calculus at 8 a.m. on a Monday, my first you know semester back in school in six years was quite the challenge. So diving kind of headfirst into that was challenging, but also, you know, really forced me to figure out who I was as a person, because I feel like for so many years, I I was Nasty Luke in the gymnast. I was Nasty Luke in the girl dancing with the stars. I was Nasty Luke in something. But who was just Nastia? And that's kind of what, you know, New York taught me. It just made me realize like what my passions are, what my goals are, who who am I? You know, it was because gymnastics truly did define me for so many years. And how did you decide, you studied sports management, is that yeah. right? How did you decide, I mean, I'm, I guess it makes sense you're an athlete, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you decided to study something that you're familiar with. How did you make that decision? Well, I kind of, wa- I, I was going either way. So I was kind of like, I could go this route and do something that I am familiar with, but learn more about it. And it's such a huge part of my life, my career, my brand. Um, I feel like this could be really helpful. Uh, you know, I took a few law classes, not that I ever wanted to be a lawyer, but it was super helpful just learning some of that terminology. And then I was really, really interested um, in psychology just because all the things we've been talking about, you know, being an athlete, competing on the biggest stage, delivering when it matters most, like down to the day. How How do we do that? You know, like how does your brain even process that? And so I've always been really interested in that. That being said, I knew that or I was you know, 90% sure that I wasn't going to go into that industry, but I I knew that I wanted to learn more about it. So I decided to major in sports management and I took some, you know, psychology classes and, and um, just really loved learning. I think more than anything, both as an athlete and just as a human being, I've, I've always loved to learn. I've always, you know, said that I never want to be the smartest person in a room. I always want to walk in and I want to learn something from from everybody, you know, from anybody that I'm that I'm able to talk to. And so I think that's how you grow as a person. I think it's it's not necessarily always from, you know, what you read in a textbook, but it's about the experiences. It's about the people that you meet. It's about the, the things that you learn from those people. And I was I was looking at some of your Dancing with the Stars stuff, <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, shows showed that you were actually in NYU studying oh my gosh, yes. while you were training for Dancing with the Stars, while you were doing these routines. Yeah. And, and just, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Was that like, was that equivalent to training for the Olympics? Was it harder, easier? <laughs> I'm so sure like funny. the bi-coastal thing was driving you crazy. That was insane. Um, I but, did that today. <laughs> I flew from LA last night to, you know, JFK <laughs> and I, so I'm still like a little tired, but, 
But I mean, we did that for 10 weeks. It's funny. I just saw Derek Huff yesterday and we were actually talking about that and reminiscing like about that. So I was going to school at NYU and he was doing a show at Radio City, the New York Spring Spectacular. So he had 13 or so shows a week. I was taking a full load of classes, um, full time student. And when they asked me to do the show, I was like, there's no way. Like, I live in New York. I'm not just, like, skipping a semester. I had it all planned out that I was going to graduate before Rio. Like, every, I, I'm such a planner. So I was like, uh-uh. Like, this just doesn't fit into my schedule. Um, and they're like, well, like, the partner that we have for you, like, also has to be in New York for something that he's doing, you know, this season. And I was like... I was like, uh, okay, cool. But like, I just, I don't see how it's going to work. Like flying cross country 10 weeks, like every single week, like that's exhausting. Um, but we made it work. Made it work. <laughs> and we both were just saying like, we both felt like we were like almost the healthiest, like in the best shape of our lives because we were so focused, so determined. We ate so healthy, drank so much water, green juice, like ate well, um, you know, didn't sleep much, but it, it was, it was a time that, um, I, I truly loved and I learned so much from him and from the experience. And uh, it, it was it was exhausting. I, I remember the the day I got back to New York after the finale, I landed and had three finals. That oh, my morning. God. Wow. Yeah. So I was like I like opened the first one. And I was like like the words were like running <laughs> on the papers. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you I mean, um, um, uh, you passed. You got your degree. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming no, you passed. I, I, and yeah. That was not an option right. <laughs> to not pass. To you not. Uh, yeah. Slept like nothing in those 10 weeks. Oh, my gosh. Was yeah. it like flashback to training for the Olympics? Was it kind of a similar type of regimen? It, I mean, no, because we didn't have the time. So we really only rehearsed like two and a half, three days for a few hours because of his shows and my school schedule. And then I would have to actually fly to L.A. a little bit early and learn the dance with another partner because Derek had shows through Sunday night. So he couldn't get to L.A. until Monday morning. And that was the live show day. And then we'd take a red eye back to New York same day. So. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. And this this kind of puts you back in the limelight again. I mean, you were in the limelight being an athlete, an Olympian, and then you kind of you, you pivoted, you went mm-hmm. to school, things got a little quieter, and now you're yeah. back in the limelight again. I'm curious because um, I want to talk to you a little bit about being an influencer because you have, uh, your, your Instagram is almost a million followers, Twitter's like 400,000, uh, you have a voice definitely in this world, and you, you, you built a brand. So talk to me a little bit about how you did that, and was it kind of an intentional thing, or did it just happen, or, you know, the, the publicity from being an athlete and being on Dancing with the Stars, how did it all come together? No, I mean, I mean, I think the publicity from both of those things helped, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily create a brand for you. I think it's important to, um, you know, you have to go in a direction that you love and that also is authentic to yourself, you know, so... It's easy to build a brand, but, you know, a brand could not even like stand for you or be authentic. And so for me, it was super important to find the right team of people that were going to help bring me or I guess bring that vision to life. And, you know, we have daily meetings and and daily calls and it's, you know, are we moving in the right direction? What could we be doing to be more authentic? What could we be doing to um, relate to other people more? Um, You know, what kind of image imagery can we shoot? Like, where are we going next? Where's our next trip? What's our next, um, you know, uh, you know, campaign? It's, it's, it's a con. Like, I feel like people don't realize and, and I, maybe I didn't even realize either, but it's like, it's a full-time job. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. And, you know, and then balancing actually 
running a business and, you know, trying to get this um, business as successful as possible. But I mean, yeah, being, I guess, a quote unquote influencer, um, you I feel know, like it's, they meld, don't they? Don't the influencer and the business kind of. Yeah. And, and that's why it is a little challenging. I guess maybe just more effort goes into it because you want to make sure that, you know, it, it is one, you know, it's it's your brand um, is is also your business and vice versa, especially, you know, for me and kind of what we're creating and what we're building. So, you know, it's yeah, like there there's there's times that I go out with my friends and that's time that I just value with them. Like that stuff for me doesn't need to be posted on social media. You know, it's your whole life doesn't have to be on social media. And so it's what you pick and choose um, to put out there. That doesn't mean that I'm like saying that I'm not really who I am on my social, but I just think that, you know, there's I guess what I'm saying is my private life is still so important to me and in the time that I spend, you know, with my fiance, with my friends, with my family, um, you know, Instagram and, and kind of what you see on there are just like little snapshots mm -hmm. of your life. It's sometimes, you know, and I think everybody already knows this, but Instagram can be this this uh place of fantasy i guess absolutely everybody only obviously only puts the fun stuff you know? oh my it's god like, for sure yeah, you want everyone to think you're <laughs> living your best life ever <laughs> exactly you're not gonna put you in your pajamas in front of netflix on instagram you know it's like, i mean that's like don't the, doubt that <laughs> because i will do that you, okay okay <laughs> because that's that's still such a huge part of who i am i'm such a homebody like I prefer any day to just like be in my sweatpants watching, you know, Netflix with my computer finishing up work or emails or working on the next project or the next campaign or or whatever it is that we're doing. Like I prefer to do that any day over like being out. Like I'm looking at the time thinking like right. when can I get in my sweats and get <laughs> right. in bed and order a movie in my hotel. <laughs> do you have kids yet? No kids. Oh wait, yet. wait till uh, it's all going to change after kids. <laughs> You're just going to relish so any I've, I've got two. It's like I just relish, you know, a second to myself. Yeah. Without, I've really learned to value and love um, my time on airplanes. Um, even though there's Wi-Fi on them now, so like you like kind of have to work unless you say like Wi-Fi is broken. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it's a time like to yourself, unless obviously you're traveling, you know, with your significant other, or with work or whatever it is. But it's a time that you're just kind of like up in the clouds, like away from everything, and it just it's a little it can be a little mesmerizing at times to just like take a second, take a breath because when you're on the ground like your phone's blowing up like for you it's like your kids you know they're constantly wanting something or needing something or wanting your attention and um you know I can't wait to get to that point in my life but um right now I'm just like oh yeah <laughs> trying to just like figure out where I need to be in the next hour and you're you're engaged so you're planning yes. a wedding too that I'm sure yeah I mean we've been just like super busy because right. um, we started this business together and um, so yeah no date or anything yet but it's just it's been such an exciting time I think for both of us because we are both professional athletes and so to be able to to move on and turn the page and you know it's difficult for any athlete or really anyone making that transition and so um, we've been so excited with you know the momentum that we've had with um, our business and it's uh, really exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Tell me about this business. Tell me about your entrepreneurial yeah. pursuits. Uh, uh, Grander yep. is the app, right? Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, it connects athletes with kind of mentors. Yeah. So Talk to me a bit about it. 
So it's going to go way beyond athletes, mm-hmm. but that was kind of our original idea just because of our background. And, you know, it, it was just so important. Yes, Instagram's great, but like beyond like liking, retweeting or, you know, reposting something, there's no real connection. And so we created this um, app to really um, – to, to create a global community to inspire the next generation um, of female athletes, entrepreneurs, founders, scientists, lawyers, whatever it is. We're starting um, with athletes in gymnastics, um, and then we're just going to go, you know, hit all the verticals. But really just a place to connect, but also a place to be inspired, a place to learn from your peers, but also your mentors, industry experts, um, all sorts of things. So it's been so much fun to build something and to finally, again, be able to find something that I'm as passionate about as I was gymnastics. Because to be honest, like I had a fear that I was never going to find something like that, something that, you know, I was so driven um, to be successful. Um, I was so passionate about uh, and and I, I definitely was a little worried because it's like that was it was such a huge part of my life. And so, you know, being able to to kind of create this and build this and, um, you know, it's it, not every day is easy. There's there's obstacles that we have to overcome. There's days we wake up and we're like, what are we doing? Is this really a good idea? <laughs> um, but we've just made such tremendous progress within like just I would say like the last six months which is so exciting um and building a team around you too of like employees that you know not only get your vision but that you can trust and that are just as excited as you are and so that's that's really been kind of a pivotal moment for us in finding that team of people that's amazing and I would think that there's so many I know you're starting with athletes and this could branch out but so many uh young people out there that maybe are good at something but they don't know anything about it like a gymnast for example like she could be good at what she likes to do and she's passionate but how do i find a coach how do i you know train for this is how do i even like how do you apply for the olympics i don't even know what how does that even work i had such an unfair advantage like i'll be the first to admit like what I had was like not normal to have, well, you know, and so it's like anything I needed or had a question for it was like right in front of me, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think and, and again, that's the thing. But it, if I wanted to become a scientist, like, well, I don't know, where do I go? You know, and so again, it's it's whatever your passion is, whatever your dreams are. We hope to be able to create those communities. We hope that this is a place where they can come to fulfill and pursue their dreams. It's kind of sounds like a social media platform to connect yeah these things. somewhat yeah that's really and is it only going to be on mobile or is it going to live online right now yeah right now it's just the iphones <laughs> working on the android version um and you know it's all kind of come together so quickly so we're, we're trying to keep up um you know it's awesome to have summits and in events and be able to meet some of your idols but you meet them once and then what you know like to be able to receive kind of have that like the full circle yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so not a lot of sleep, you know, we're on the home stretch here. So um, a lot happening, but it's, it's, again, it's just, it's so exciting to be able to create something and see it come to life. Tell me a little bit about the challenges in creating a brand because you know, it's great and you're passionate about it. Yeah. How do you convince other people <laughs> of that? You know, like yeah. a brand new app, you know, the, the audience for that is still young and new and still growing. Yeah. How do you convince, Hey, even though you still don't really, your audience is still growing, yep. you know, the, and that's a challenge for anybody creating a new Absolutely. brand. They want to, they want to get eyes on it mm-hmm. and get people interested in it and get other people who have an audience mm-hmm. interested in it. So you can kind of yeah. piggyback off their audience. How do you do that? 
So our motto this whole entire, well, we've only been on it for a few months. So we had a late start. So, you know, it's been kind of like a mad dash, but we were like, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> um, but our whole motto literally has been like hashtag like can't hurt. And by that, it's like it can't hurt to ask. It can't hurt to message someone, call someone, email someone, ask someone. Um, and the worst you're going to get is a no. And yeah, like at first for me, I feel like especially, you know, you walk into a meeting and, you know, you're, you're raising around a funding and so it's, it's an investor and you get a no and you're like deflated and disappointed. And for me being an athlete, I would take it so personal and think, OK, I got to go basically back to the gym and train harder, you know. And so I've started to realize that it's not it's nothing personal. You know, it's it's maybe this person wasn't right for the business. Maybe this investment wasn't right for the business. Maybe it's not the right time. But, you know, especially with the summit, it's like we we've asked so many amazing people and and it's been incredible to see the the response and and really I would say 99.9% of the people have said like, wow, this is incredible. Like, you know, sometimes logistics don't work out because, you know, a lot of people are busy. And um, but I also know that's not always going to be the case. And so I think the number one thing is to not get discouraged. Um, I think that's been my uh, I, I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with kind of being disappointed or discouraged if I get a no or if I get, you know, someone that's not interested or something. And um, but I think not trying not to take it personal and, and knowing that hard work never disappears. So if you continue to work hard, if you continue to believe in your vision and, and truly believe in your vision, um, then anything is possible. You know, it's like you look at some of the biggest brands out there right now. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, How I Built This. That's like one of my favorite ones, just hearing from so many founders and, and just hearing their stories of like how they almost didn't make it, you know, and they all have that one common thing of like, I just needed like one order, or like one something. And, and so that's inspiring to me because it's like, we're all going to go through that moment. We're all going to have that one day. We're all going to have that one bad day or that one good day where everything just like kind of turns. It's always that one, you know, those those success stories of if I had quit at this point, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. Little did I know that right around the corner exactly. that salvation was going to be there. That one order or that one yes, yes or that one round of funding. <laughs> if I had like given in uh, to the, to the I guess, the uh, the negativity and the pressures and just stopped or pivoted or whatever, did something different, it wouldn't have happened. And it yeah. was always like or the that people one. that don't believe in you. There's yeah. going to be so many of those. And that's what I learned throughout my gymnastics career. And I think that's kind of what's helped me in business is I had so many people not believe in me saying that I, you know, I was too weak too fragile too skinny too tall too old like I literally all of the things and I at first it got to me and you know I, I just I, I developed thicker skin and I realized this is my dream this is my goal are they spending seven hours a day in the gym with me no because the people that are they believe in me too because they see that it's possible they see how hard I'm working uh, and so I kind of feel pretty you know similar to the business like are are they seeing us up at three o'clock in the morning you know working or you know getting a two-hour nap and getting right back up at five or taking red eyes across the country every single week to just make it happen um and so I think again surrounding yourself with the right people so important people that also people that you trust, but people that believe in your vision. And you don't want to just like 
convince people to believe in your vision. You want them to believe in it. You want them to see what you see. Yes, absolutely. So those things are are super important. Um, and, And then just my mom just taught me this, you know, piece of advice that I've always used and have kind of both in gymnastics, but also in life, but it's never quit on a bad day. You know, we're all going to have bad days. We're all going to have moments where we want to throw our hands up in the air and say, I quit. And it's okay to move on or try something different after a good day, but not after a bad day. That's amazing. That, that's <laughs> great. That's a, your mom is a wise woman. <laughs> she is. Um, finally, I want to ask about, you know, Granders connecting young athletes, um, first athletes, and then yeah. more. Um, and, you know, you, you, you do a lot of work and you reach out a lot to and try to connect mm-hmm. with, uh, with youth. And I want to talk a little about the Nastia Cup, the Nastia yeah. Lucan Cup, yeah. um, how how that came about and and why you did that. Yeah. So right after I won the Olympics, I wanted to do something to give back to the gymnastics community. Um, This coming March is actually the 10th year anniversary, which is insane. Uh, It really did just start with like some vision, some idea, some dream. And, uh, you know, with the help of USA Gymnastics, we've kind of like formulated like what that was. And it became the Nasi Lucan Cup. And there's 25 qualifying events from January to the end of February, and the uh, the top two girls at each of them qualify on to the final, the Nasty Lucan Cup. And, and I really wanted to give these girls the opportunity to compete on a big stage, to have their Olympic moment. Because for some, they might never have that Olympic moment. For some, they might. You know, Gabby Douglas competed in the Nasty Lucan Cup two years before she went on to win the all-around gold medal in, in um, London. Yeah. And so and then some, you know, are off to college. They're seniors in high school. This is their last hurrah and they're and they're going off. And and it's it's not. And that's what I tell all the girls every single year. I'm like, you've done everything that you needed to do to get here. So now just go out there and enjoy. You know, this is the time like this isn't the national championships. You're not a national title's not on the line. A national team spot's not on the line. You can't go anywhere from this competition. So actually enjoy. Remember why you're here. Remember that you love the sport, that you're passionate about it. And and support each other. And so I hope, um, you know, in the 10 years that I've given the, the girls that have been able to compete in the cup memories um, and, you know, an experience that that they'll treasure and that they'll remember. I think you have. That's Thank amazing. You. <laughs> uh, two more. Um, I think failure is a big part of success. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid to fail so they don't take the step to do things because they yeah. fear that failure. And I think failing forward, you learn from it. You learn what worked, what didn't work, and it leads to success. Can you give me an example of some point in your career, whether it's athletics or yeah. entrepreneurship or where you, you, you did something and you failed at it, but yeah. it was a pivotal moment? Or maybe so a lot of us don't realize that a lot of failures are the best things that could have happened because they open other doors. Can you uh, give me an example? Yeah, literally all those things that you said, um, pivotal moment, um, closing one door, leading, you know, opening another. um, The definition of that for me was 2012 Olympic trials, trying to make my second Olympic team. And, you know, going in, I was the reigning Olympic all around champion. All eyes were on me. I was expected to be the best. And and I wasn't. Um, I had a fall on the bars and landed face first, like a face plant. And. I remember laying in there on the mat thinking like, what am I doing down here? I'm supposed to be finishing my routine. And then immediately thinking, well, my dreams of making my second Olympic team are over. Um, And then being so embarrassed and so mortified and thinking like, I'm a failure. Um, But I got back up. I finished my routine, landed on my feet. And for the very first time in my life and career, I had a standing ovation 
for the worst routine of my entire life and career. And that became the defining moment of my career. Because what that made me realize was in the moment I thought I had failed. Um, but instead, I realized that, you know, I, I think for so many years, I always just thought that people weren't going to love or support me unless I was the best, unless I won the gold medal, unless I came out on top. And when I literally fell on my face, <laughs> got back up and finished my routine and saw 20,000 people on their feet, I was like, okay, so people are still going to love me, still going to support me even if I don't win. So I, I, I learned that because for so many years I just so badly wanted to win and so badly wanted to be the best that people are still going to love you. That your life isn't defined by a gold medal, your salary, your job position, the company that you build. These are all just moments in your life, but they don't define your life. Well put. That's amazing. Um, I can only imagine 20,000 people cheering for something that you thought was the most hard. I, thing I literally thought someone else was like going. I stopped <laughs> and I looked around the arena and I'm like, someone else must have just done like an amazing routine. Right. People are like up on their feet. Nobody no, was, was going. The entire arena was just like, just it, it was it was wild. Outstanding. And then uh, finally, to follow up on failure is risk. I don't think anyone will find great success without great risk. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you, it sounds like a cliche, but go big or go home. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously don't be reckless. Yeah, for But sure. calculated risks, or when you bet on yourself, mm -hmm. you leverage your skill to gain what it is that you're looking yeah. for. Can you tell me a little bit, uh, or give me an example of where you, you risk something and it was, it turned out great, or you bet on yourself not knowing the outcome and it paid off? I mean, I think I'm going through that right now. You know, I think with starting this business, I mean, it was a lot of risk that <clears throat> both of us have taken and both financially, but also just like time, energy, effort, the years that we've put into it that we could be working on something else, but we just believe in it, you know, and, and we still do. And so I think that risk is scary you know at times it could be scary to launch your own business to you know start something new to leave a job to you know not feel certain um certainty is something that you know we all want in our life lives um in many different aspects of our lives but um i think this was the so far it was it was a risk worth taking and um you know it's it's not like completely over and so it, there's definitely moments where you know, it's, it's so normal. It's so human nature to question yourself at times, to wonder, like, was was that worth taking that risk? Was it worth investing in that? Was it worth, like, putting a lot of money into that, you know? And, and you don't know if you're going to get that back. You don't know if you're going to be rewarded for that risk. But I think that's something that's, like, so fascinating about it, too, is, like, if you're capable of doing it, um, as you said, like, go for it. Like, why not? You know, I think those two words are actually the things that scare me most. Like, what if and why not? Like, it's like... Those can be either very inspiring or very intimidating. Yeah, I think for me, I just never want to look back and think, what if? What if I would have tried? What if I would have taken the risk? What if I just would have gone for it? Well, that's a great place to end. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining you. us this on Live awesome. from the Bar Cart. Um, it was great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is 1.37 p.m. If you want to own the future, start this minute.
Live from the Bar Cart is a Gallery Media Production.